Hey, what's up, Propel Church? Pastor Nick here. I want to say welcome to Propel Church Online. We are so excited that you chose to be with us today and believe that God has a special thing in store for you. I don't know why you're watching this right now or who shared this message with you, but I do know this, you're not here by accident. So thanks so much for being with us. If you are with us for the first time, we would love to connect with you. Let us know you're here by filling out a digital connect card. We are kicking off a brand new series today called When Life Gives You Lemons. Now for me growing up, my grandma used to tell me that expression, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. But the truth is for a lot of us, life has thrown us some lemons in this season. We have been tossed lemon after lemon from COVID-19 to your own individual crisis, economic crisis, financial issues, marriage issues. So many things have happened that many of us, if we don't feel like life has thrown us enough lemons, people are even throwing us lemons. Over and over and over again, we begin to get pelleted by lemons. I wanted to stop in this season and teach you how to turn lemons into lemonade. And I had a great message prepared for you all on vision, and I'm so excited. I'm going to share that with you next week. But for this week, I feel like the Lord shifted the direction just a couple of days ago. It reminded me of a story uh, when I was in high school. I had a coach. His name was Coach Johns, and I loved him so much. If you're from Mount Pleasant, you know Coach Johns extremely well. But one of the things that he shared in his class one day is that life is filled with a lot of ups and downs. There's, there's ups, there's downs, there's curves, there's turns. There's, it's, it's almost like a roller coaster. But when those ups and downs take place, it's like life squeezes you. But the truth is, what comes out of you is based on what was in you the whole time. When you get squeezed, The only thing that you're ever going to produce is what's already inside of you. And if you're anything like me in this season, you've experienced some squeezing. COVID-19 has squeezed you. Racial tension has squeezed us. Politics have squeezed us. Social media has squeezed us a little bit. And in all of that squeezing, let me ask you this. Are you satisfied with what's coming out? Because if you're anything like me, chances are you would say that not everything that's coming out of you is reflective of the God that's dwelling within you. So in this message today, what I hope to help you and I unpack is how do we get healthy in the area of our heart? How do we stop just responding every time we get squeezed and we stop living angry, bitter, frustrated, always biting our tongue or living overwhelmed, recanting statements. But what you and I need to do today is have a transformation of our heart. And in doing that, we can live forever changed. So if you're taking notes this morning, here's the first thing that I want you to write down. It's this, everything that comes from my mouth is a reflection of what's in my heart. Now let's hit pause for a moment and stop because I want to make sure you catch that point, you get it, you write it down. I think Twitter's dead, but if you're still tweeting, man, you ought to tweet four people right now and tag them or do whatever you do with Twitter. But you and I need to know every single thing that comes out of my mouth is a reflection of what's in my heart. And I would take this a step further in 2020 to say this, everything that you post, comment, or respond to is a reflection of what's actually in your heart. 
When most of us begin to live life and life begins to happen to us, we think, well, why in the world did I say that? Have you ever been in one of those moments? Have you ever been in that spot where you were wondering, why did I think like that? Why did I say that? They cut me off in traffic. Why did I lash out in that way? Well, it's really simple. It's a reflection of what's in your heart. And you may not believe me. You may say, Pastor, it might might have came out of my mouth, but that's not what's really in my heart. Well, if you won't take my word for it, let's look at the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. This is what he says. He says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows directly from what's in your heart. Those are not my words. And truthfully, some of you are probably watching this right now, and you don't like that. You take it up with Jesus, right? But no, whatever came out of your mouth is a reflection of what's in your heart. So let's just talk through it for a few minutes. When you're driving down the road and you get cut off, what comes out? Because that's a reflection of what's in your heart. When what you see somebody post on social media stirs up anger within you and you want to lash out, well, that's a reflection of what's actually in your heart. Is what comes out of you when you get squeezed a good representation of Jesus? And for some of you, you're thinking, man, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus in that one passage of scripture, he flipped tables. You're not Jesus. Don't go around flipping tables and then be like, it's biblical. That's not the the thing at all. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives within every single one of us that have called ourselves followers of Jesus. And because of that, we're no longer obligated to do what our sinful nature desires when we get squeezed. And here's where a lot of us tune out. When somebody starts talking about our own heart issues, what we begin to think about and do is we begin to talk about how everybody else is doing. We begin to say things like, well, pastor, what about them? What about those people who did this? And what about, did you see what they posted or what they're doing or how they're living their life? And I'm glad you're thinking that right now because it brings me to my second point, which is this. Stay focused on dealing with your own heart. Because we live in such a connected world, social media gives you and I the ability to consistently look at other people's mess. It doesn't take me long on my social media feed to see the broken condition of our world. I can look at what people post. I can see what they say or what they're commenting on, even sometimes what they're liking. And I can see the fact that there are broken, jacked up, and messed up people. And when you and I don't want to deal with our own heart issues or the own condition of our heart, oftentimes what we do is we look at the way other people live or the way they navigate their life. And I think that's one of the greatest tactics of the enemy. What if the enemy convinced you to become so distracted by looking at the way everybody else is so messed up that you never deal with the own issues in your own heart? Look at what Jesus teaches the disciples in Matthew chapter 7. It says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? Okay, so so picture this for a moment. 
Jesus is teaching, he's talking, and he's saying, hey, your neighbor has a speck of sawdust in their eye, but you have a two by four coming out the side of your head, and you would rather deal with the sawdust in somebody else's eye than address the fact that you could build a house with all the lumber you got coming out your face. That's not beneficial. It's not helpful at all. Don't pay attention to the way somebody else is living or the sawdust in somebody else's eye. You and I need to be really intentional about addressing our own mess. So verse 4 says, how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your own, out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First, you take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now notice, this passage of scripture doesn't actually tell us to not judge other people. That's what most people will teach. When they teach this passage of scripture, they say, look, you can't judge other people because what Jesus says is deal with your own plank. He says, deal with your own plank, and then you'll be able to help your brother get the speck of dust out of his own eye. I think the reason why many of us stay stuck with a plank in our own eye is because it's significantly easier to point out other people's faults rather than our own. Jesus is clear, deal with your own mess, and then you'll be able to help people get out of the mess that they're in themselves. I was thinking about this the other day as I was kind of preparing this message. It reminded me of a story that I shared with you just a few years ago. It was actually when we were uh, back at the high school. Now, I uh, had a membership at Planet Fitness. It didn't last long, uh, not because of COVID, because uh, I don't like working out. Some of y'all people are runners and you're, you love exercising. You, you, I think you're weird. I'm not a gym guy or they call those what, gym rats? I don't get that. Rats are gross. Um, but anyways, so I'm at the gym and I get on the treadmill, which I think is a horrible machine because you're literally running in place for a long period of time, but you're paying somebody else for a machine to run in place. So I get on the treadmill and I start running, but then this dude came on the treadmill beside me. Now there's a lot of treadmills in this facility and he's running. This is one of those guys who he's not getting a new body when he gets to heaven, right? He's already got it right now. He is ripped and built and he starts to run. And I noticed that as he's running, he starts turning up his speed and looking at me. And I'm a competitive individual. So every time he starts to increase his speed and we make eye contact, I look back at him and go, okay. And I start increasing my speed and I'm running and I'm running and he's increasing his speed and we're, we're in a full-fledged competition and we're running and I keep up in my speed. Well, when I turn to look over at him, my foot hit the back of my other foot and I went face first onto the treadmill and flew off the back. You've seen those fail videos before. That was me. But you know what it taught me that day? I'll always stumble if I watch somebody else run their race. 
I'm gonna encourage you in the last 18 minutes and eight seconds of this message that you need to be so vigilantly focused on running your own race that you stop looking at how everybody else is running theirs. And if you'll focus on dealing with the issues of your own heart, I believe that God will bring blessing to your life that you never thought was possible. So what I wanna do with the time that I have left is give you what I like to call a Psalm 51 solution. In Psalm chapter 51, David is a man after God's own heart. He's been pouring out his heart to really say, God, I I need your help. I need your, your, your fresh breath, your wisdom, your grace, and your mercy in my life. And what I love about David is even though David made countless mistakes, he continued to run back into the presence of God. If you've made a mistake today and you feel like God has given up on you, then that's not the God we see in the Bible. Every time we see a person who makes a mistake in the Bible, we see a God with open arms, ready to give them grace and mercy because God is not just a God of second chances. He's a God of infinite chances, and we're so grateful for that. But this is what it says. I'm going to give you four steps today in Psalm 51. If you're looking to get a new heart, because if what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what's in our heart, the first thing we need to do is is fix our heart focus on our heart. How are we going to do that? The first thing is this, acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge your sin. We all have sin in our lives. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're no longer in bondage to that sin, and sin is no longer a part of your identity. It bugs me all the time when when followers of Jesus say, well, I'm just a filthy sinner saved by grace. Well, sin's no longer a part of your identity. You can't be a sinner and a saint at the same time. The two don't coexist because holiness and unholiness don't work together. That's a different message. We're going to stay focused today. I ain't going to rant on you or rage on you. No rage. There's just love here. But what you and I have to understand is that we've got to acknowledge our sin as followers of Jesus. It's healthy for you and I to get in the habit of coming before God and acknowledging the fact that we still have issues in our life. The truth is he already knows them. He already knows that you messed up. He already knows all of your sin. But freedom and relationship is cultivated when you and I begin to bring what is in darkness into light. When you get time to go to God and say, this is what I've done. He knows it. You know it, and now you get to move forward. Psalm 51, verse 1 through 2 says this. This is David talking. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me of my sin. The first thing that David does in pursuit of a clean heart is he acknowledges his own transgressions. He comes to God willingly because he says, God, your love is unfailing, so no matter how many times I've failed, your love doesn't. Your love is unfailing, and according to your great compassion, God has a lot of compassion for you, probably more than you and I even realize. So come to him. Acknowledge your sin. The second thing that I think we need to do is ask God for a clean heart. Ask God for a clean heart. So Psalm 51.10, David continues. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. Or renew 
a steadfast spirit within me. David is considered, according to the Bible, the man after God's own heart. Now, that's a big term for a guy who made so many mistakes. But the reason why, after every failure, after every fault, David was considered the man after God's own heart is because he didn't let his failure become final in his relationship with God. He continued to run into the presence of God. He came to God. He acknowledged his sin, and he asked God to give him a pure heart. He's coming to God, and he's saying, blot out my iniquities. Take care of my transgressions. God, give me a clean heart. If you want to ask God for something in 2020, will you start asking him for a clean heart? Because if what comes out of our mouth is reflective of what's in our heart, we need to stop asking God to fix our lips and stop, start asking God to fix our heart. He says, create in me a pure heart, oh God. And then I love what he says. He says, to renew a steadfast spirit within me. In other words, there's going to be times where in your pursuit or your growth towards a clean heart that you get dirty again. You and I are in this process called sanctification, and there's going to be times in life where it's just filthy. There's going to be times where you are pursuing a clean heart and God's making you new. You realize that, man, you're not who you used to be, but you're definitely not where you should be. So you've made tremendous progress, but that person cuts you off in the line at food line and you are like me you about to meet the neighborhood today well what happened well you were pursuing a clean heart but remember to have a steadfast spirit remember that just because you make one mistake doesn't negate the progress that you've made and in your pursuit of a clean heart you need to keep moving towards that direction i love that david continues to pursue a clean heart. Because the truth is what our culture teaches us is to follow our heart and to do what we think is right. That's the worst advice in the world. You know what Jeremiah says about your heart? That your heart is deceitful and wicked above all else. Who could understand it? That's not a verse that you're going to plaster on a coffee mug and wake up every day and go, man, my heart is deceitful and wicked. That's not typically what you'll see there. But I will say this, if you've been following your heart, it's probably the reason why you're in this state or condition that you're in right now, because it's horrible advice, and it ain't godly advice. Scripture is clear that we follow the Spirit of God in everything. Do what you think is right. Proverbs says a man does what he thinks is right, but that way ends up leading towards death and destruction. We don't need to just do what we think is right or what we feel is right. We need to ask God to give us a pure heart and follow Him in everything. Have you asked God to purify your heart? The third thing is this, allow the Spirit of God to give you joy. Allow the Spirit of God to give you joy. Now, oftentimes, when it comes to joy in seasons where we're being squeezed, we let the enemy steal our joy, but the truth is that shouldn't be the case at all. The enemy shouldn't be able to steal your joy because joy is something that's intended to be eternal, not temporary. That's why he doesn't say to, to give me happiness. Happiness is a momentary emotion, but joy is an internal, 
eternal expression of what God is doing in your life. So let, let me explain that for a second. Look at what David says in Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Do you remember when you first gave your life to Jesus? How excited you were? How passionate you were? When you actually understood what Jesus did for you and, and you began to live out his goodness to the world? Do you remember how on f the term that they used to use was on fire, how, how excited you were, this feeling inside of you began to rise up and you felt like you could charge hell with a water pistol and bear fight somebody with a switch or whatever that expression is, right? I mean, you were pumped. What was that? It was joy. It was this, not, not an emotion, but it was this internal experience that you had. And if we let the enemy rob us of that, we're missing out on so much. James teaches us that we should consider our, uh, our trials joy because at the end, they produce so much good fruit. I never liked trials in the moment, but I can look back at several things in my life and I can see that what I went through in the past developed me to become the person I am now. So I can either in the moment when I get squeezed, I can either let the enemy lie to me and tell me that I'm defeated, or I can remember that in all seasons, God is working out things for good for those who love him. And the current trial I'm facing is actually developing me into the person that God has called me to be. Your difficult seasons don't have to be defeated seasons. They can be development seasons where you understand that God is making you and shaping you and molding you into the person that he's called you to be come. You don't have to look at what you're going through and the hardships of your difficulties to be something that's crushing you. Stop letting the enemy rob you of joy in these squeezing seasons. Because let me just be really clear. You will be squeezed for the rest of your life. Every time you grow, I love what Bishop T.D. Jakes says. He says, new levels, new devils, right? Every time you grow in your relationship with God, you're going to experience more warfare than you did the season before. The enemy loves to squeeze you and for those impurities to come out. But let me just tell you this as well. The only way that you refine gold is that you heat it up. And the way you know that it's perfect is all the impurities have risen to the top. And once they're cleared, it's purified. That's what God wants to do to you. He doesn't cause you to get squeezed, but he says, oh, if the enemy's going to squeeze them, let's make sure that we deal with those impurities when they come out. Number four is this, accept the responsibility to teach others God's way. So I didn't read you all of Psalm 51. I, I could have, but we would be here a little longer than we had today. You should go and read it on your own time. But I love what verse 13 takes us to. It says this in Psalm 51, 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Open, look at this, this is verse 15. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Now, if we went all the way back to Psalm 51, in the beginning of this, we see that what David says is, cleanse me, O God, 
remove my transgressions. Which means, by nature, David himself is a transgressor. If David is asking God to remove his transgressions, right, it's the same thing as saying, if I sin, I'm a sinner. David's a transgressor who has transgressions. But now, David goes back, and at the end of this, as he's talking about how he's asking, he's acknowledging his sin, he's asking for a pure heart, and then he's, he's allowing God to restore joy to him, he's saying, I'll accept the responsibility to teach other people your ways. Most of us, when it comes to our our proclamation of the good news of Jesus feel like if we don't have a degree or a ton of life experience, there's no way we can tell other people about the way God would do things. But if you are or have been a transgressor, it's a good time for you to step in and talk to people who are currently transgressors. David knew this, he understood this, and he accepted the responsibility to not hoard what he had been learning from God, to not hoard his relationship with God, and to go to people who were in the same boat where he used to be and say, there's a different way to live. You know you don't have to be stuck in darkness. You know you don't always have to be bitter and angry. One of the best ways that you could model for people the way Christ models, like, like the way Christ would live in this earth, is that you stop reacting to every single social media post that you see. Look, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to shoot straight with you, Propel. You're going to have plenty of opportunities in this year. It's election year. Most people believe that Jesus is the hope of the world till election season rolls around, and you're going to see the worst come out of people over the next six months. May it not be so with our church. May we be known as people who don't react to every single thing that we see on social media, but instead we let the Spirit of God rule, guide, and dictate our lives so that when we get squeezed, what comes out of us is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that are honorable and pleasing to God. In this season, you will get squeezed. But the truth is, the greatest way to solidify what you're learning is to begin teaching. That's what, when, when we um, started Propel Church, there were a lot of things that I had learned. But man, when I started teaching other people about it, it solidified what I learned. God's teaching you some things in this season. Accept the responsibility to share his way with others. Because I believe that as you get squeezed and what comes out of you glorifies and honors God, the people around you will begin to take notice that you don't live the way that they live. And that's why Romans 12 is so important where it says that you and I would not conform to the ways and patterns of this world, but instead we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What God wants to do in this season is give you a new mind and a new heart so that in him, you can be forever changed. So here's what I want to do today. I want to first pray for those of you who are watching this and you just say, hey, life has been squeezing me, but what's coming out of me is not necessarily a reflection of the God that dwells within me. Let me pray for you. Jesus, today I declare that a clean and pure heart is placed inside of your children. God, we repent. We acknowledge our sin before you. We're asking you to restore joy to our lives. And God, may what comes out of our mouth 
be an overflow of what you've deposited inside of our heart. Any iniquities, any infirmities, any things that would get in the way of you being displayed in our life, we release it and let go of it in Jesus' name. Now, for some of you, you're watching this today, and the truth is your sin, your mouth, always will have control of you until you begin a relationship with Jesus. One of the things that scripture is really clear about is that you and I are in bondage, in captivity to sin until Jesus defeats sin in our life. And the way that we are, the way that sin is defeated is that we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross because to defeat sin, you have to be perfect. And I'm just going to be honest with you. That ain't me and it definitely ain't you. And you know how I know that? Because there's only been one perfect person who ever lived. His name was Jesus, and he loved you enough to die in your place so that in him, you didn't have to be in bondage or in captivity to your sin, but that you could have new life so that your heart could become new and that your heart could be transformed from a heart of stone to a heart that beats brand new again. So what I want to do is I want to walk you through a prayer. If you'd say, hey, I realize that I'm in bondage to my sin and need to begin a relationship with Jesus, will you just say this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, Today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.